0: This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee and this is Campaign Catch-Up, bringing you the top news and analysis from the 2022 federal election right up until polling day. It's Monday, the 18th of April. Today, Guardian Australia's Chief Political Correspondent Sarah Martin joins me to talk about what voters are being offered on healthcare. But first, here's what happened today. There are growing calls for the Liberal Party to dump Catherine Deves, the candidate Prime Minister Scott Morrison handpicked for the Sydney seat of Warringah as more of her anti-trans comments invoking the Nazi era become public. Although Deves has deleted her comments and apologised for many of them, News Corp's reporting that a branch of the Liberal Party has written to the President of the New South Wales Liberal Party calling for Deves to be disendorsed, echoing comments from New South Wales Treasurer Matt Keane. Senior Coalition members Maurice Payne and Senator Anne Rustin have stayed mum over whether she should go, saying this is a decision for the New South Wales Liberal Party and the Prime Minister has so far stood by his captain's pick, the independent member for Warringah, Zali Stegall, called out the PM for politicising a vulnerable group of people for the election. And I think this comes to the core of Scott Morrison's character. He he will weaponise anything for what he perceives as his benefit, no matter the cost to vulnerable communities. And I think that kind of politics is just so nasty and dirty and people hate it. Scott Morrison was in Perth in the Labor seat of Fremantle, promising to help more Australians afford to buy their first home. Morrison says that if re-elected, the Coalition will expand a first homeowner guarantee scheme to 50,000 home buyers a year and also increase the cap on house prices that can be bought under the scheme to $900,000. We want to ensure that more Australians, those 50,000 each year, are able to get access to those home guarantee packages,
1: which is getting Australians into their own home.
0: Labor says it agrees the caps should be raised, but argues more policies on affordable housing are needed. Economist Saul Esslake says that while the Coalition's policy could help some people save money in the short term, it will actually inflate house prices even further in the long term. Labor continued its attack on Liberal Senator Anne Rustin, who will replace Greg Hunt as Health Minister if the Coalition's re-elected, seizing on comments she made in 2014. Uh, this is a Health Minister now, designate, who we know will undermine Medicare, who has said that the current model is not sustainable. Senator Rustin was out today reversing her position on those Medicare comments, but refused to rule out further cuts under a Coalition government. Medicare is sustainable. Um, I mean, the fact that we have increased spending on Medicare from when the the Labor Party was last in government in 2012-13 from $19 billion to $31.4 billion in 22-23. It just shows that we have made a commitment year on year on year. We have been increasing Medicare support for Australians. And Labor leader Anthony Albanese was in Queensland on the border of the marginal seat of Ryan and the safe LNP seat of Brisbane. He was asked to provide further details on the additional number of doctors and nurses who'd be needed for key health policies that he's announced during the campaign, including for 50 new urgent care clinics.
1: How many additional, additional nurses and GPs do you need to staff those facilities and where are they going to come from?
0: Look, we're going to need additional nurses and doctors. How many? Uh, we're going to need a, a additional. But as as it goes... But couldn't come up with the details. The charge that you're not across the detail, Mr Albanese, that you're making pledges, are... but you're not giving the finer details as to what's behind them. So do you know how many nurses you will need for what are now three packages? E- each, each place is different. Uh, we know, for example, that the melanoma... Coming up, Chief Political Correspondent Sarah Martin on Labor's strategy for healthcare. Hello, Jane. How are you? Hey, Sarah. I'm well. Thanks for thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. My pleasure. I want to talk to you a little bit about health. Yes. So today we've seen Labor's been trying to shift the conversation on the campaign to health, mm-hmm. which is traditionally a strong suit for them. Mm. Senator Anne Rustin, who could be our next health minister if the coalition's re-elected, has been out and about, and Labor has seized on comments that she previously made that Medicare is unsustainable to suggest that the coalition will... Cut spending on Medicare. Now, what was the context for those comments that she made previously?
1: Okay, well, we have to go get into the time machine and go back a bit to 2014 mm. when the Abbott government promised a GP co-payment, where basically um, people would have to stump up. I think initially it was about six dollars to go and see the doctor. Um, now there was a huge uh, uproar about this policy, and if you remember, that budget was a very harsh budget that uh, Joe Hockey and Tony Abbott presented to the Australian people, and it was incredibly unpopular. Um, Anne Rustin was a member of that government. And you know, along, it must be said, with other people like Scott Morrison, Peter Dutton, any other member of the um, Abbott government, it was out there defending the policy. And it was in the, in those comments that uh, Anne Rustin talked about Medicare being unsustainable uh, on its current trajectory. And that, that was one of the reasons that this co-payment was necessary. It would, it would set Medicare up for the future. Um, now, we know that Medicare is on track to cost about $30 billion a year. So there is an argument uh, to be had about how to make Medicare sustainable. But obviously, Labor is sort of seizing this appointment to remind people of the coalition's record um, in this area and just to, to suggest that Medicare is not safe uh, under a coalition government. And of course, we know that in the 2016 um, election campaign, Labor got within a whisker of forming government um, with its uh, w- what became known as the Mediscare campaign, where they ran a very strong campaign on um, coalition plans to privatise Medicare. So um, definitely, definitely trying to play to their strengths with this.
0: Mm. Anne rustin has been on ABC Radio this morning and she's walked back those comments saying now that she thinks Medicare is sustainable, but she refused to rule out further cuts to Medicare in the future. So do you think there's anything to Labor's claims now? Look,
1: I I, I don't think so. I think um, we saw... It was sort of curious because yesterday, Anne Rustin seemed to rule out cuts. And then this morning, she seemed to be sticking to a script about the legislation that sort of guaranteed Medicare. So Morrison in his press conference this morning tried to clean that up. Mm. He was quick to say, no, absolutely no cuts. So um, I guess the thing, uh, uh, as much as we hate scare campaigns and as unedifying as they are in this campaign, they do exist and sadly they do work and... uh, A good scare campaign, if you could forgive me for calling it that, always needs to have a kernel of truth to it. And so the reason that this will work is because of the coalition's track record and the fact that in 2014, they did propose a Medicare co-payment. So Mm. um, that's sort of why there's a lot of government sensitivity on this issue. Um, They say they're a bit more alert to it after what happened in the 2016 election. And I guess the question for Labor is, you know, can you pull a rabbit out of the hat twice? Is it going to be as potent this time around? Mm.
0: Well... Anthony Albanese's presser today was dominated by questions on more figures today, but this time it's doctors and nurses in its key health policies. Mm. Uh, What does it tell us that both Albanese and shadow treasurer Jim Chalmers would not be drawn on or could could not recall key details on the number of additional doctors and nurses that would be needed to staff their key policies this campaign?
1: I mean, I guess, I guess the thing is we know that Labor has been running a small target strategy and they're doing that because they want to keep the focus on the government. They want this election to be a referendum on the Morrison government and that is why Morrison... When he's standing up, he's saying, This isn't a referendum, this is a choice. So um, there's sort of you know competing imperatives here. Um, we know at the last election, Labor had these huge, like, multi billion dollar policies for health and education, which they're not pursuing this time around. They're sort of going for smaller scale policies because they don't want to have uh, accusations levelled against them about uh, revenue raising and how they're going to pay for these big policies. I think, however, what we saw at the last election was even though there were big policies, the detail of them was there. Now you know it sort of surprised me that the, this first uh, major health policy that Labor came out with—they didn't have the support of the AMA. The Royal Australian College of General Practitioners gave it very sort of lukewarm um, support and very caveated support. Um, what does it mean that they don't have that detail? I think it means that. Perhaps they've uh, taken the small target strategy a bit too far and haven't put enough thought into the policy offering that they're taking to the election. But, I mean, it's early days. That This might be a one-off um, and we, they, there might be uh, a stronger suite of policies to come that have that detail with them. But sadly at the moment, just two weeks into the campaign, it looks like we're just in, in for competing scare campaigns
0: for the rest of the contest. Mm. I mean, for our first federal election during the COVID-19 pandemic, when health is probably the number one thing on most people's minds day to day, it sort of seems like both sides have been quite light on detail in terms of a broader vision for our healthcare system going forward. Mm. Why do you think that is, Sarah? I don't
1: think either side in federal politics want to be seen to be responsible for the state of um, state-run hospitals. Um, at the moment, it's a 45 to 55% funding split, so most of the funding comes from the states. Um, if you lifted that to 50-50, which is obviously what the states want and what, what the AMA is calling for, then arguably the federal government takes on equal responsibility um, the public hospitals in Australia are incredibly overrun. They're incredibly strained. We've seen this issue, particularly in WA, South Australia and Queensland, the issue of ambulance ramping with um, people not being able to get admitted to hospital because of bed block. It's huge, huge problems. I mean, we're sort of criticising Labor's health policy, but you know the government isn't out there offering a, an alternative either. So neither side is up to the challenge on this. And I think the key reason is it's expensive to boost the funding by about five percent costs about seven billion dollars a year, but it's it's needed and it's sort of unfortunate that I don't think either side is prepared to have that conversation. Um, and it's not just Medicare. You know, we've got huge problems with aged care. We've got huge issues with NDIS funding. These are huge issues for Australia as a country to deal with. Um, we know the government and Labor have both ruled out an aged care levy, which is what the Royal Commission suggested was needed to pay for it. So you know, we're kind of in denial, I think, about the fact that at some point, if we want the services that we're going to expect in Australia, they have to be paid for. And at this stage, neither side is prepared to really have that conversation with the Australian people.
0: Thanks so much for your time, Sarah. My pleasure. Thanks, Jane. That's your campaign catch-up for today. If you haven't yet, don't forget you have until 8pm tonight to enrol to vote or update your details on the roll. Just go to aec.gov.au for more details. And if you're enjoying the show, I'd really recommend you have a listen to our political editor Catherine Murphy's weekly podcast, Australian Politics. It's available wherever you're listening to this podcast. This episode was produced by Ellen Lee and me, Jane Lee. The executive producers are Miles Martignoni and Gabrielle Jackson. See you tomorrow.